bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's word. My message today is simply titled, The Restless Ones. The Restless Ones. I'm going to talk about restlessness and what it can do in our lives. And we're going to focus our attention on the story of a man who missed it big time in his life. And how he got back on track. I believe there are lessons we can learn from this man and his struggle to get things back. You know, many times you, we look at our lives and we look at the past and we see big mistakes we made. And, and you look at yourself and you knock yourself on the head and say, why did I do that? Big time you mess up. Big time. And it affects you. And sometimes it affects you in such a way that you, you just feel, you know, I've blown it. There's no chance. There's no way. Uh, I've messed up my opportunity and I can't get on track. But we're going to look at a man who was able to get on track. It's a very fascinating story. And I think that it will really encourage you. His name is Esau. Esau uh, in the Bible. Esau was born with a prospect of greatness. He was born with greatness looking at him because he was the firstborn of his father. And in the culture he grew up in, the firstborn inherits the double portion of the father's inheritance. He was entitled to a blessing of a double portion. However, as a young man, Esau was a very careless man and very irresponsible young man. He did not value the great opportunities that were ahead of him. And he made some very terrible choices about his future. In a very sad, irresponsible negotiation, he sold his birthright to his junior brother Jacob. And he sold the birthright for a bowl of soup. When you think about it now, it's annoying, but he did it. The sad thing is that a lot of us continue to do that, selling our birthright for sometimes cheaper than a bowl of soup. When Esau did that, he thought, well, you know, yeah, it's just a moment, it's just one day, and it will pass. But it didn't pass. Years later, when the blessing was being passed on, instead of he receiving the blessing, Jacob received the blessing. So Esau comes back, and he realizes everything he thought was due him as a person had left him. The inheritance is gone. The birthright is gone. The blessing is gone. And Jacob had taken everything. His father had blessed him, Jacob. And Esau is left with zero, nothing. And he is very anguished. And he's very sad. And he comes to his father with a very sad prayer. And that is where we start our journey from. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 27 and verse 38. Esau comes to his father after his father had blessed Jacob. Jacob is left with a blessing which was supposed to be for Esau. 
And Esau is inconsolable as he cries to his father for a remedy. And listen to what he says to his father. And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Anytime I read that prayer in the Bible, my, my heart just tears up. Because you, you, can, you can feel the anguish. You can feel the sense of hopelessness. You see, this man knows I've blown it. I've made a mistake. And he's crying and he's, he's saying, is there something left for me? Is there a blessing under the barrel that you can scrape back for me? Can you give me something? And he's crying out to his father. And the cry is a cry of anguish. He realizes his mistake and he cries out, Have you only one blessing, my father? Have you only one blessing? He's not asking for 10, 20, 2, 3. He just says, Isn't there a blessing for me? And that's very positive because Esau could have walked away in anger without seeking for a blessing. He could have just shunned the whole process and just said, okay, if you've given it to him, okay, that's it. And just walked away in, in anguish. But Esau believed that in the midst of all the loss he has experienced, there was still something for him. I'm here to announce to somebody this morning that in the midst of all you have lost, and in the midst of every sadness in your life and the agony of your life and the pain in your life and the disappointment in your life, there is still something left for you. God has something left for you. And don't run away and thinking all is over. You have to cry to him because there is still something left for you. And Esau is praying and literally he's saying, Go, scrape the bottom of the barrel, scrape the bottom of the barrel and, and get something small and give it to me and I will take it. I will take that blessing. There are three things I want you to note about Esau at this time. The first you are going to notice about him is that there is agony for the missed opportunity. He's agonizing. He's in pain. Esau grew up as a passive person. He was easygoing. He didn't care much about what happened. He believed the future would be great. He had a sense of entitlement. He believed everything would be all right. But for the first time, the Bible says, he lifted up his voice and cried. There is a great deep pain for what he had lost. There's agony for the missed opportunity. Many of us walk through life with the agony of missed opportunity. That missed opportunity could be anything. It could be a choice you didn't make, somebody you should have married you didn't marry, uh, some job you should have taken you didn't take, uh, some travel you should have traveled you shouldn't travel, uh, uh, somebody you brought into your life you shouldn't have brought into your life, somebody you married you shouldn't have married, but you look at all of that and there is agony that you blew it in the past. That's the first thing you notice about Esau. Second thing you would notice is that for the first time, Esau has passion and hunger for a new opportunity. And that is very interesting because Esau was born blessed. 
He grew up with a sense of entitlement. He didn't need to be to go for anything. He didn't need to work hard. He believed that things would be good for him. Life would be good for him. There are people with a sense of entitlement. They believe life owes them goodness. They believe things must work for them. They believe things will be well for them. They believe even if they don't work so hard, things will be well. But Esau realized for the first time, if you want something good to happen, you must go for it. You must be passionate about it and you must be hungry for it. So that's the second thing you notice about Esau. Third thing you notice about Esau is that he has respect for little things. He's praying not for a thousand blessings. He says, Father, is there not one blessing? One blessing. He, the big thing is gone, but he says, isn't there something left for me? He has missed the fruit, but he believes there is seed he can receive. He missed the bread, but he believed there will be crumbs he can take hold of. Esau was ready to start his life with one blessing. He doesn't need a thousand blessings. He needs one. He, he values one. He values the little things. He values the things he took for granted. You know, many times we never know the value of a thing until we lose it. It goes. And then you wish you had it. You wish you had it for just one moment. You wish you had opportunity again. And that's, that's how Esau feels. It's almost like how the prodigal son felt when the prodigal son left his father's house with abundance and now he's broke and he's living with pigs and eating their food and he's thinking back about his father's house and the interesting thing is he's not thinking about the sons of his father's house he says even the servants in my father's house are better off than I am he believed that the there was something better for him, but he now valued the thing he despised. That's where Esau finds himself. He's asking for one blessing. The first step towards getting somewhere in life is always to decide that you're not going to stay where you are. The first step you take to get somewhere in life is to decide that you are not going to stay where you are. Esau decided, I've missed the blessing. It's gone to Jacob, but I'm not going to stay. I still need something. So his father decided to bless him. But this kind of blessing, it is the bottom of the barrel blessing. Because all the blessing is gone. The blessing is gone to Jacob. And, you know, these blessings, they are not just words you speak. And you cannot give the same blessing you give to Jacob, to Esau. So Isaac is scratching and says, what can I bless Esau with? And uh, he thinks through it and, and he blesses him. And I want you to listen to the blessing. It's in Genesis chapter 27, verse 20, 39 to 40. This is the blessing. We read, then Isaac... His father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, 
and you shall serve your brother. That, that doesn't sound like a good blessing, does it? I mean, it, it, he's saying, whatever happens, I mean, you, 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 your brother, you serve your brother. And he, then he says, and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. The Amplified Version says, Then Isaac, his father, answered, Your blessing and dwelling shall all come from the fruitfulness of the earth and from the dew of the heavens above. By your sword you shall live and serve your brother. But the time shall come when you will grow restive and break loose and you shall tear his yoke from your neck. There are two parts to this blessing I want you to consider. The first part, there are three segments of the first part of the blessing. First, he says you have the fatness of the earth. The fatness of the earth talks about natural resources. Natural resources. You're going to have natural resources. He says you will dwell in a place where there's a lot of natural resources. You're going to, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth natural resources the second thing is that you're going to have the dew of heaven that's spiritual favor divine favor god is going to favor you so not only would you be in a place where there's natural resources heaven will favor you god will favor you you have god on your side the third thing his father said what happened is that you will live by the sword. That means you will be a fighter. You're going to be a fighter. Somebody who fights. So three things. You're going to live in a place with abundant resources. The fatness of the earth, whatever the earth has, whether it's gold or diamond, oil, whatever. You're going to live in a place where there is the fatness of the earth. You're going to be in a place where God's favor rests upon you. And you're going to be a fighter. By your sword you will live. Three components of that blessing. But then after the father has said all of these things, he summarizes the end result of all these three. He says, you shall serve your brother. You shall serve your brother. So, it's a blessing, but it doesn't sound like a blessing. What Isaac is saying is that your natural resources, your spiritual power, your prayer, your fasting, God on your side, your effort, working hard, living by the sword, all of that is not going to give you much because with all of that, you will still be serving your brother. You will still be under bondage. So what Isaac is saying is that natural resources, spiritual favor, and your own effort would not necessarily release you from bondage. You can have all of these things and still be under bondage. Now many of us think that if we have a lot of natural resources, if we pray a lot, there is divine favor, and if we work hard enough, then we will be free. That's not what Isaac said to, to Esau. 
And that's very important because sometimes I listen to the people of this country and somehow I feel that we think the more oil we discover, the more diamonds we have, the more gold we have, the more prosperous we are. No, sir. You don't break the yoke of bondage simply because you discovered oil, simply because you are a nation which prays and there is a favor of God here or you are working hard. According to Isaac, you can have all of that and your brother will still rule over you. You'll still be under bondage. So, to, Je to Esau, no progress. So, so far, the first part of the blessing leads to bondage. You will still be under your brother. And I don't know about you, but if you're going to get all these things and still amount to nothing, then why get it? I'm sure Jacob, Esau, is listening to the blessing of his father and says, so why did you say it? Because in the end, he says, you'll still be under your brother. Then he continues to the second part. The second part. And the second part is very interesting. The second part says, when you become restless you shall break his yoke from your neck when you become restless you shall break his yoke from your neck so really the blessing is not the dew of heaven and the, and the fatness of the earth the blessing is when you become restless because the first part is still going to make you serve your brother but he says this one is what, what is going to set you free so what was Isaac blessing Esau with? He was blessing him with a very unusual blessing. It is called the blessing of restlessness. When you become restless, that is when the freedom will come. So what does it mean to be restless? I check the word in the Hebrew in its original and what it means and it's very interesting the word restless has several meanings it means one to be troubled to be troubled to be troubled secondly it means to go to and fro to roam to move about not to stand in one place but to move to be troubled to go to and fro and thirdly, it means to have dominion or to rule, to, to take charge. So what Isaac is saying to Esau is when you get troubled by what has happened and you start moving to and fro and you take charge of the situation, you will be free. When you become restless. Now that word restless gives the idea of an ox which is under yoke now in the days of of the bible they 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 didn't have combined harvesters and and uh, tractors they they plowed with the ox and what you do is you put a yoke on the neck of the ox so that it will be controlled and do what you want it to do it's like what you do to a horse to make it obey you now what happens to most oxes is that when you put a yoke on them, they become submissive. They, 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 they stay. But the word and the blessing that Isaac is talking about gives the picture of 
an ox which has a yoke on its neck but instead of standing still it decides not to stand still so the ox says you have put a bondage on my neck but i will not sit here and die so it begins to move up and down and shake its neck and stomp its feet and continue moving and moving and turning and turning until it breaks the yoke from its neck in doing that it may suffer some pain but it will have liberty and so Isaac is saying to Esau the day you become like that ox instead of sitting down and waiting for blessing to come and drop in your mouth that day you will be free that day I want us to examine what he said a bit closer he said uh, when you become and I wonder I want to take each one of those words and talk about what it means the first word is the word when everybody say when when speaks about time and condition time and condition in other words now you are not but a time will come when you will be now if you look at uh, Esau when Esau realized that his blessing had gone to Jacob he became very angry very angry very upset which is a natural re reaction when you believe something is yours and you lose it you get angry he gets so angry and so upset that he begins to tell people I'm going to kill Jacob I will kill him his heart is full of vengeance venom bad blood He's looking for opportunity to kill Jacob as if killing Jacob will give him blessing. And not only that, when Jacob was leaving his, uh, his father Isaac, Esau had the instruction his father gave to Jacob. His father said to Jacob, don't marry the Canaanite women here. Go to our family and go and find a good woman to marry. So Esau realized, my father doesn't like Canaanite women. So in, in anger against what his father did, he decided he would marry Canaanite women. That, you know, there are people who out of anger make such decisions. The person has offended you. You are angry, you are upset. And as a response to your upset, you make another silly decision. So Esau goes and marries a Canaanite woman. Why? Because my father didn't give me the blessing, so I want to show him I don't respect his decision. So you are marrying a Canaanite woman? What if the woman gets up one morning and slaps you? Are you going to blame your father? Because most times in life, when we lose things that are precious, we get into a mode of self-destruction. And instead of making positive decisions, we make decisions that continue to feed us destructively and destroy us in the end. And that's what Esau is doing. But his father says, I know your heart, but the day you become restless and move from this mindset, that is the day things will begin to happen for you. You know, there are, there are people who sometimes marry just to show somebody. You know, Maybe you're moving with somebody, a boy you want to marry, and then the boy goes to marry somebody else, and, 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 and then you decide, for, for doing that, I also show him I'm a woman. 
Then you go and get some things, some, some configuration to marry. And that configuration is, is causing you more hell than anything. But you are happy because you think you are proving a point to somebody. Your life is bigger than proving a point to somebody else. Don't destroy your life because somebody destroyed you. Don't be self-destructive. Don't get into this mode where you're trying to impress somebody or you're trying to make a point to somebody so you're making senseless decisions. That's what Isaac says. You are in the wrong system now, but one day your mind will come home. When? The second word is you. When you. Not when they, but when you. It's your responsibility. If you want change, it's going to be personal responsibility. You cannot blame people forever. You cannot blame your friend forever. You cannot blame your ex-husband forever. You cannot blame your ex-wife forever. You cannot blame your father forever. You cannot blame your stepfather forever. You cannot blame your stepmother forever. At a certain point, you must take personal responsibility. Because nobody can decide your future for you. You must decide it for yourself. And then the third word is become. When you become. Become talks about transformation and change. You have to move from this self-destructive spirit. You have to get out from this space. It says when you become restless. You will break the yoke. When you become. You are not restless. Yes, you are destroying yourself again. But the day you will shake your head. And, and shake that yoke. You will be free. The question I want to ask you is. Are you that restless? Are you restless for an answer? Are, 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 are you working hard are you shaking your neck are you stomping are you moving up and down to be free or you are just sitting down there hoping that one day things will happen as i've said several times improvement is not natural improvement is not natural things don't improve by themselves if you leave things by themselves they would deteriorate if you leave this building, nobody paints it, nobody sweeps here, it will, not go, it will not get better. It will crack, it will break apart because nobody's taking care of it. Improvement is not natural. Your life is not just going to improve by itself. And sometimes Christians believe, oh yeah, I'll just pray and things will change. I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of God. But God works with us Emmanuel God with us not just God but we must work with him you cannot be passive and expect a change in your life you cannot just sit down and just hope one day one day one day one day one day one day it will be all right and Christians a lot of you have that attitude I believe Jesus does wonders, but get off your seat and get busy and think and start solving your problems. That's what Isaac is saying to, to Esau. You are where you are because you are passive. 
You are a passive person. You sit down. You don't think. You don't plan. You don't work. You are hoping that one day the birthright will drop on you. And you even believe if you make bad decisions, somehow God will bypass your bad decisions. God will not bypass your bad decisions because he says whatever you sow, you will eat. When you become restless. Thomas Edison was an American inventor and businessman. Thomas Edison lived from 1847 to 1931. We owe a lot of inventions to him. And this is what this great inventor said. He said, restlessness is discontent. And discontent is the first necessity of progress. Show me a thoroughly satisfied man and I will show you a failure. You may not agree with everything he says, but I think there is some wisdom in what he said. Restlessness is discontent. And discontent is the first necessity of progress. Show me a thoroughly satisfied man and I will show you a failure. Show me somebody who says, everything is cool. My life is okay. I like the way I am. It's all right. Everything's all right. That's a failure. Because you cannot change something until you are unhappy with it. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebill, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill. Email otebill at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.